I think one of the biggest lessons still is service is king. When you provide quality service, people will be okay with you making some mistakes. Uh, very rarely do teenagers become complacent. And I would say the middle-aged folks that work for me come, become complacent very easily. Teenagers are bringing energy and they're bringing fun and they're bringing chaos every day. We've all had to change and adapt the ways we work over the last couple of years in many ways. And in this episode, I sit down with Chick-fil-A store operator, Brian LaCroix, to learn some of the ways that he and his team have adapted to the new normal. We also spend some time talking about what he's learning about the next generation of leaders. His restaurant hires young people at both the frontline and supervisor level. Brian has more than 100 people under 18 working at his restaurant. So for those of you interested in investing in the next generation, whether as a parent or business leader, we learn how Brian and his colleagues look to identify and develop young leaders. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Excited to have you with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Well, hey, I love to start these conversations with the same question. So I'm going to ask this one to you. How would you describe your leadership style? I would say I'm pretty unique. Um, that's been a great conversation to have with my team over the last week of, of how would you describe me to others? And they all kind of look at me and scratch their head and <laughs> you're kind of unique and uh, we don't know how to say this. So I, I'm getting a lot of the dad feedback. I'm getting a lot of the feedback of you set pretty clear expectations. It could be better sometimes. You trust us. You allow us to make mistakes but you instill in us a, a level of excellence that we don't want to disappoint you. Hmm. And so I would describe it as I am very trusting. Um, I am not a micromanager by any means, uh, but, but there is a level that I want you to rise to. And so I like the analogy that some people talk about with Tom Brady. He, he makes those around him better. And it seems like that's kind of been maybe my style is, is people kind of rise up to the occasion and get better. But I would love to tell you I'm a good listener. I think I am half the time. I would love to tell you that I'm really a clear communicator. I think I am half the time. I think when I'm doing really well, they're all looking at me like, dude, you're, you're not that good. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that combination of trusting with high expectations. And so it's, it's, they, they both go hand in hand. I'm a leader who's willing to allow you to fail, to learn. Hmm. Now, if you make the same mistake twice, then we need to have a conversation. That's where the expectations come in. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Love it. All right. Well, give our listeners a little bit of the background. How did you get to where you are? You're an operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant, yeah. but just paint us a little bit of a picture of, of your story to this point. Yeah. So I, I graduated college right after 9-11 and, you know, thought I was going to join the workforce and go make my contribution to the world. And uh, nobody was hiring, kind of similar coming out of COVID here. You know, there's a lot of hiring freezes going on. And um, we had, as a family, had always talked about being in the restaurant business. It just had never worked out. And long story short, was meeting my mom halfway for lunch and started meeting at the local Chick-fil-A and got to know the franchisee. And all Mr. Greg Kabbalah talked about was, man, I can, I'm making a lot of money. All I'm doing is duck hunting and I'm never working. And I'm 22 years old going, sign me up. This is all <laughs> that it's about here, Rohan. You know, I mean, this is fantastic. Not true. We all know that. You, you, that's, that's not true. And um, so I, I was fortunate enough. I, I got interviewed and hired with uh, Chick-fil-A in about eight months. Um, I, I would have embarrassingly been hired in two months, except I misspelled Chick-fil-A. 
on my thank you letters to everybody that I interviewed with. And I will admit that to the, to the world. Uh, Spellcheck didn't know what Chick-fil-A was. My parents' friends didn't know what Chick-fil-A was. I, I had really only just started eating it Interesting. Uh, you know, prior to, to interviewing. And so I, I get lucky enough. I take over a location in St. Louis, Missouri in a mall that is not even open anymore. The entire mall has been demolished. So that's the short story of how I got into Chick-fil-A and um, was there at that mall for about a year and a half. Then I moved to Abilene, Texas, took that mall over for about a year. And then we've been in our current location, a freestanding unit drive through typical Chick-fil-A that most people think of for the last mm -hmm. uh, 16, 16 years. So, wow. Yeah. So that's the short version. Yeah. And Chick-fil-A has a, a, a very unique model where you're not really buying into, you really kind of almost like work your way into an operator role. Is that a, is that an accurate yeah. way of, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I, I, I was in training with a couple of the guys who had McDonald's and they had to give up everything just to come and have one. And it was, it was more about character. It was more about who you are, hmm. not about your bank account. And I would say it's still very much that way today. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know, my my family are very passionate uh, consumers of the product. So, uh, yeah, I, I have I have been to many Chick Fil A's uh, all over the country. So uh, excited. So yeah, okay, very interesting. Let me let me go. I've got kind of two topics that we talked about when we spoke earlier mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago that I'd love to dig into that I think would be really interesting to everyone. Uh, and so the first is really just you know post COVID. So obviously all of us have had to deal with disruption and change and transition in so many different ways. And obviously hit your uh, industry right. in, in pretty unique ways. And there's lots of pivots there, but um, what maybe are some of the differences in the way you're operating today um, as you kind of think pre-pandemic and to the, I don't want to say post-pandemic because, you know, it seems like it's raising, having waves of, of uh, different variants, things like that. But just in, in kind of today's environment, what would you say is probably one of the biggest changes that you've had to make in terms of how you run your store? So when we spoke about this a little bit earlier, it was kind of a realization of, honestly, our personal restaurant in Abilene has not changed a ton. Um and I know that's different because we've got listeners all over the place and, and not all restaurants are open and fully operational and things like that. But I think the biggest thing that it changed for us was we're in a, we're in a rural community that is not very technologically savvy, in my opinion. And it really caused us and caused technology for our town to really take a leapfrog effort and, and really get front and center. So we found ourselves at the forefront of delivering meals. We found it in curbside and people utilizing our app whether that's on Android or Apple and ordering food at a way higher rate than had ever been done. Probably a 75% increase digitally than, wow. than before the pandemic. And so I think realizing that, oh, wow, the power to order and the power of the menu is all in the customer's hands now. And we have to meet that demand, have to meet that need. Um, and so now we're, we're a little bit back to normal as far as just dine in, drive through, um, Playgrounds are open, but I think for us, launching the technology aspect is probably how we pivoted the most uh, during this time. Yeah, and I think you mentioned to me that your store was actually piloting some of these platforms pre like 2019, right? right? Yeah, so we were one of the delivery test stores um, for when you you go on the Chick-fil-A app, you can have it delivered to your work, home, wherever that would be. 
And all of a sudden, so we were poised very well to, to really kind of launch some successful stuff. And so we pivoted very quickly. Um, we were averaging probably one to two drivers a day doing things. And, and you know, all of a sudden you're doing eight, eight, eight people just taking deliveries every day. Wow. And so very, very fortunate for that and for the investment in technology during that time. Yeah. So what I guess a lot of us have different levels of digital or yeah, I would say digital transformation going on in all of our businesses, no matter who you are. Um, and that was happening, I guess. And to your point, it's accelerated. Whatever we were doing um, in terms of digitizing our businesses has gone to the next level, right. most likely, right? Uh, so what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned going through that process? Maybe on the customer side, maybe it's internal with your team. I think one of the biggest lessons still is service is king. When you provide quality service, people will be okay with you making some mistakes hmm. and realizing that not everybody is as good at technology as maybe others. Uh, we had a young lady. One example is she, she was sitting in her car for probably close to an hour and we, we didn't really realize it. And all of a sudden we thought she was on her phone having a conversation or something. And no, she was trying to figure out how to check in and say, I'm here. <sighs> and so after being in the parking lot for an hour, we sent a team member and we said, you know, and that, that was a long time. So don't, I mean, we should have gone sooner. I know, but we, she rolls her window and she's like, I can't figure this out. And so for us having to take time and teach people how to use the technology, um, was not something I was probably prepared for hmm. was realizing that, Oh, okay. We, we all joke, is there an app for that, right? Yeah, there is, but people still don't understand how to use it all the time. Or what happened was you might be very tech savvy with your app and you sent your mom to pick up the order. Yeah, yeah, that was story number yeah. two. Oh, wow. So my son ordered this and she just thought all she had to do was pull up. She didn't know she had to tell us that she was here. And so again, another 30 minute type wait. And she finally comes inside and says, I, I don't, why am I not getting my food? And we're like, who are you? Where are you from? <laughs> nice to meet you. Has anybody told you about checking in? No, my son ordered. And so I think those were basics as far as didn't realize we'd have to do as much teaching, but still realizing that just a smile and genuine service, um, just genuine customer relation and customer service is still just so powerful. Yeah. And it's something Chick-fil-A is so well known for. Mm -hmm. It's just there. It's a, it's a real deal. My daughter always says, I love going to Chick-fil-A because no, they're always so friendly and kind and nice. Yeah. You know, it just, I mean, I didn't prompt her and it's just something that she noticed, um, you know, on her own. And that's ingrained from the top down. That is ingrained from the top down. So. So to tell me this, what are some of the ways that you ingrain this in your culture? I mean, as you know, we're very focused on behaviors and the things people do. It's yes. what you do. It's not what you say yeah. uh, that, that really communicates and manages. So just give us a sense of how do you make sure that that consistency is driven throughout, you know, pretty much any Chick-fil-A restaurant you visit anywhere on the planet? One, I think it starts with leadership at, at our home office and, and the Kathy family does a great job of just what it means to serve others and the whole servant leadership model. And then I think as it's passed down on the local level, individual owner operators who, why would you not want to treat others the way you want to be treated? Why would you not want to serve others to the best of the ability, but model it, speak it, 
and then do it 9,000 times a day. <laughs> model it, speak it, model it, speak it. But when your team members see you as, as the, the leader of your business, they, they will have to, I mean, they know. They know that this is the expectation. They know that this is the model, but they also get to see how people respond. And, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar, right? You know, and so people respond to that smile. People mm -hmm. respond to a friendly interaction. And so I think there's a lot of people who have all kinds of uh, issues with the quick service industry and you're not used to getting a good experience. And then when you do get one, it's very refreshing and it's very nice. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. But but I would say that's probably the easiest way to explain to everybody, how does Chick-fil-A do it across the nation? We, we just consistently do it day in, day out. Um, and and it's modeled. But it's amazing too, when you present that, if I greet you with a smile, there's a 98% chance you're going to return the smile. Mm -hmm. It is really hard not to smile back with somebody who's smiling at you and greeting you with a, with a tone. There's another thing that we have as a tool called the core four and it's make an eye contact, share a smile, speak enthusiastically and, um, you know, share a moment. So. Yeah, I love it. And, and I think that's the other, you know, what you said something about how it's modeled from the top in, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, my understanding is that as the operator, as the owner of this business, effectively, you're still, you're required to be in the business too. You're not just kind of an absent owner. That's a, that's sort of sitting at home, right? You're at the store, you're in the restaurant. So this is not part of my portfolio of restaurants. Um, no, this is, this is my only one. Uh, so there's not an hours requirement for operators, but when it's your only business, when it's your, your only baby, there, there's no reason not to be there. There's no reason not to be taking advantage of that opportunity to mm. mentor youth, to mentor, uh, those you're working with, but to also be a part of the community. Uh, yeah. What a privilege to feed people, not only with food, but just a clean environment and, and an awesome atmosphere. You know, I, I'm lucky. I get to host a party every day. <laughs> so it's a privilege in my world. No, I love that. Okay. Uh, awesome. So, you know, my takeaway from that first part, technology, digital transformation, hey, don't underestimate the challenges, but also don't lose that service element, that human, the, the human touch and contact is what sort of makes the difference even, even when you're leveraging technology at a, at, at a greater level. Still fundamentals, right? Restaurant 101, a clean atmosphere, good service, hot, fresh food. Yeah, love it. Uh, awesome. Oh, well, let's pivot over to the second theme that I wanted us to spend a little bit of time on, uh, which is you obviously are hiring a lot of young people, um, you know, in, in, in your stores. And, and, and maybe this is unfair, but I would say stereotypically, you know, we look at kind of coming and I guess, you know, my parents generation probably said that about us and, you know, their, their, their parents about them. Right. And on and on. But you don't typically associate serving others necessarily mm -hmm. with a, a lot of us are at fault. You know, we do so much for our kids and we want them to be the center of everything. And so they kind of show up and expect to be served, uh, you know, not so much to show up in order to serve others. Right. And so I don't know, maybe is that a is that a fair stereotype? Would you say is that a is that been your experience or would you say, no, Rohan, that's just a, a very jaded way of looking at the next generation? Oh, no, you're not jaded. You're not jaded. <laughs> I don't think what, what somebody told me one time, man's not good or evil. He's just selfish. 
And, um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, right? I think we all are. I think we all are. I think some of us are naturally gifted to serve others and to look at it. But I think for the most part, teenagers are very um, self, what's, what's the word where you're? Yeah. Self-involved, self-focused. Self-involved. Thank you. Self-involved. And, but, but all of us are walking around looking at a phone. All of us are walking around taking selfies and doing different things. So I, I think it's a product of the environment, but I think when they're shown a better way, they're shown a different way. Uh, it doesn't take long for them to, to get on board. Hmm. Okay. Well, so I, th- that's kind of the second theme I thought we'd, we'd dive into. So for those of us that are looking at hiring, um, developing, empowering the next generation of leaders, you really, so you said teenagers. So you literally have teenagers working in your stores. I probably have close to a hundred. A hundred teenagers. Goodness me. All right. I like to tell everybody I'm an expert in teenagers and I still know nothing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I will tell you this. You know, teenagers always get a bad rap, right? Even when you were one, when I was one, I had a young lady. I say young. She was 92. She's working in the dining room and and she's really mentally sharp and talking to me. She's like, these kids don't want to (laughs) work. These kids and this and that. And I said, and her name was Flossie. And I said, Flossie, what did your grandparents say about you? I'm just curious. And she said, well, they called us lazy and they called us. And I said, okay, so it's, it, it's a every generation thing. And she didn't like that. So she walked away. <laughs> no, fair point. I think there's yeah. definitely a lot of truth to that. Uh, in fact, I remember someone reading uh, a, a paragraph about the next generation, you know, and everyone in the audience is sort of nodding, going, yes, that's true. And it was written like 200 years ago. I believe you know, it. By, by someone. So you're right. There's a cyclical element to it. Um, but maybe here are two questions and I'll let you answer them, you know, maybe the first one or the second one or, or kind of meld them together. But as you, as you look at these hundred or so teenagers that work, uh, work essentially for you, with you, what are some of the challenges and the opportunities that, that you have experienced mm-hmm. that you found. So kind of maybe the, the good and maybe the challenging. Yeah. So one of the things I, so I love them. I, I love young people. One, they're eager. They're very excited about joining the workforce and contributing. And so that's exciting to me the, to, to see them walk in with a, a new uniform on and a name tag and they're all proud and they're nervous as all get out, right? <laughs> they are scared, but they all think this is the first time they've you know, you've ever seen this and, and they're so creative and it's like, nope, this was done a long (laughs) time ago, even better than what you guys just came up with for, for a fun prank or something like that. But they're, they're always going to push you. They're always going to test you. Uh, very rarely do teenagers become complacent. Hmm. And I would say the middle-aged folks that work for me come become complacent very easily. Teenagers are bringing energy and they're bringing fun and they're bringing chaos every day. So that's one of the things that I love. One of the challenges they have not, like you said, we do so much for our kids. And so they'll, we, we get a lot of, well, can my mom call you? <laughs> no, mom doesn't work for me. Um, can, okay, well, I don't know when I can work. Okay, I, how, can, how do you not know when you can work because you're the one who applied to work here and you went through the application. You chose to work here. We chose to hire you, but you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's interesting how some of those differences where they are very self-involved, but they are not very self-aware. 
Mm. And so I think some of the behaviors of they just don't know what they don't know. And sometimes we as a society get frustrated with that, but no one's taken the time to show them or tell them anything. Hmm. They really have learned everything on that device, especially the, the, the 14-year-olds to 16-year-olds. or these, these guys are, they've grown up with a cell phone. Just grown up with it, right? Yeah. The, the other ones before them have had times where they didn't have one probably, but not now. Everybody's had one. So yeah. they're, they're all Googling the answer, you know, or they look at you and they're like, what's the answer? And I'm like, you have a supercomputer in your pocket, ask it, you know? Um, but we, we do have some issues with some responsibility and who takes it. But I don't think it's any different than like what you said, that paragraph you read. I think mm-hmm. every generation has dealt with this. It just is probably more amplified right now because we have a social media platform that we can go complain about it to the world. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, you know, I, I just think about, I mean, I, I have very fond memories of of my teenage years and growing up and, you know, yeah. they're never easy, right? But you think about kids growing up in the environments they're growing up with today, there's just so much more going on uh, and there's so much more pressure and there's so much so much more at stake, it seems like. So yes. I, I, I don't envy that. It's, I, I do not either. It's different pressure too, right? We We had more peer pressure versus social media pressure or keeping up with others, but. Right. So let, let, let me ask you this. What are some of the things that you found really help develop leadership skills in these young people that, that you're hiring? How, how do you think about, I mean, is this the pool of, from where you're going to be recruiting your, your managers and future operators from? Is that how you see this group of, of, of a hundred, you know, teenagers that, that work in the restaurant? I do, but I think, I think the answer is simple and I think it's also very complicated and very hard. The answer is time. Mm. Anytime that you give time to somebody, there's always, you reap what you sow and there's always benefits that come from that. When we spend time with these teenagers, they they latch on and they're all in. They just want somebody to spend time. And I think we as people just want time with others. We, um, we have something pretty creative that we do here. We, we have a leadership course that we take everybody through. You don't, just because you go through it doesn't mean you're going to be a leader. So we, we take Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor, and mm-hmm. we teach teenagers how to have hard conversations. It's about an eight to 10 week course. Um, they get surveys back on themselves and their behavior. They are in a group setting where they get to have hard conversations and try it out. And, and they're reading the entire book at the end. Um, there's no monetary benefit. There's no promise of promotion, but you are walking away a better individual. We haven't had anybody yet go through that course and not say, man, that was awful. Like that was terrible. That was a total waste of my time. Mm. But they're in there with, with people who care about young leaders and are wanting to grow young leaders and it's just spending time with them. Yeah, that's such a, it's like you said, simple, but hard to do. And it it's so I mean, the same is true with our kids. And, you know, I know you have, you, you've got kids, I, I do too. And for all of us that, that do it, and, and obviously we love spending time with them. It's, it's just hard to, to carve out that intentional time. And I can remember my daughter, you know, when she was barely able to speak, 
saying, daddy, look at me, not your phone. Uh, you know, when we were like playing together yep. and I had my phone out and, and, uh, and I was getting that's reprimanded deep. for that. That's deep. Ooh, <laughs> it that's does. Deep. It does. And I, I think I affirm your choice of book. You know, we, uh, as you know, obviously we work together, um, as, in, in terms of the team analytics side as, as a client, but the number one behavior. So we, of all the behaviors we coach, thousands of executives in, in our platform. And the number one behavior is lower criticality, which comes out at the unwillingness to have those difficult conversations or pushing those difficult conversations, not giving people the feedback or, or holding back on your criticality is the number one, you know, most oftenly coached behavior across the thousands of, of leaders that we work with. So here's the coolest thing I'll, I'll, I'll second that with was um, at the end of every uh, leadership course, I come in for the very last meeting and I say, Hey, what was y'all's favorite part? It's never been anything other than the feedback session, hmm. the feedback session where they got real feedback from peers, from superiors, from anybody. That's their favorite part. And yet we're so scared to do it. Wow. But, but the whole, but, but I've got over 150 people that have been through this course that tell me that's the number one answer every single time. Wow. Yeah. Hey, I love that. Yeah. So it's important. People want it. Even teenagers. They want it. <laughs> they do. They want it. May not, may not want it from their parents all the time, but, uh, you know, again, <laughs> how, how we, how do we, how we do it, how we develop the muscle. So love that. Actually, that's a good, uh, I'm going to put that book in my, uh, in, on my list for when my daughter gets a little older. Yeah. Yep. She did a great job writing that book. Love it. Fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you. I, I, I really have enjoyed getting to hear some of your insights along that. Um, I like to sort of bring some of these conversations to a close with my rapid fire questions uh -oh. here. So I'm just going to ask you a bunch of quick questions uh, as we wrap the conversation down. But thank you for sharing that, that yeah. insight. And um, all right, here we go. Favorite day of the week. Sunday. I love it. I love Sundays yep. too. Talking or texting? Oh, talking. I've only had one person, I think, who said, oh, texting all, any day. A uh, favorite productivity hack for leaders? A favorite productivity hack? I'm going to go old school here. I'm going to say spend one hour alone each week. And, and what are you just thinking, just a, reading? Just a, yep, just one hour of no technology and a pen and a paper and see what comes. Love that. Favorite phone app? Oh, I'm a typical guy. Probably ESPN. <laughs> Most impactful book you've read this year? Oh, I brought it with me actually because we had a meeting on it this morning. It's called Good Work. Good it's Work. by Dave Hatog, but he spells it H-A-T-A-J. And uh, it's, it's a really cool story about integrating faith into the workplace. Love it. The best advice you've ever been given? Oh, that's easy. That's So my grandmother... Um, 60th wedding anniversary. I said, okay. Um, she's called Bobcha. That's grandmother in Polish. And, uh, I said, okay, Bobcha, what, what's, what's your advice? I'm, I'm like five to eight years into this whole marriage thing. What are you telling me? And she said, she didn't even skip a beat. She looked at me. She's five foot. I'm six two. She's got her little finger. And she said, you wake up every day, you give 110%, you expect nothing in return, and then you do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and I just went, whoa. Okay. So Love I've it. tried to implement that 
in life everywhere. Give 110%, expect nothing in return, just give, give, give. Oh, wise words. Wise words. Love it. Thank you, Brian. Well, I just really enjoyed getting getting those insights from you. You know, people oh, matter. Service matters. Um, you know, no matter what, make sure you stick to those those components, modeling the behaviors that you want to see consistent inside your organization, and then spend time. Spend time, invest time. Uh, lo- love it. Even teenagers want the feedback. They do. Um, I will. I will remember that. Uh, very good. Well, Brian, thanks so much for for being here. Really enjoy uh, ha- having you on. We can always stop by your restaurant. If any any of you are listeners passing through Abilene, make sure you you look him up. Why are you on Please. LinkedIn? Do do you do you are you I'm, sort of active I'm, on social sorry, media? I'm pretty boring. I'm, you can't follow me. You can't find me. I try to stay hidden. You can come to Chick Fil A here in Abilene, Texas, and I'll be happy to serve you and have a conversation. Well, that's a good deal. That's that's good enough for me. Yes, thanks sir. again, Brian. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Optimize Your Team podcast, head over to our website, teamalytics.com, to find out how we can help leaders like you grow your team. Or if you have someone that you'd like to nominate as a guest, send me an email at podcast at teamalytics.com.